And I'm going to share our second reading for today, coming from 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient and equipped for every good work. All right, so for those who may be um, joining us in this space for the first time or joining us online for the first time, a little reminder of what we have been doing throughout this month. In the month of May, we asked our church family to send in questions that they have about scripture, about God, about faith. And throughout the month of June, we have been going through those questions, not necessarily naming the questions, um, but we've grouped them together into categories. Um, and today, if you, you may have clued into that by the two scripture readings already and even what we sang, today we're looking at scripture, at the Bible. Um, how do we come to the Bible? Because there were questions that were sent in that really have to do with um, how do we understand and read scripture, that that's really the starting place for those conversations. And so we can't get to all those questions in one Sunday, um, but hopefully what you hear will maybe help you navigate some of your own questions around scripture. So to begin, I'm going to share, and I think I may have shared this before, even in this space, something I share with the compromands. When, they, when we begin confirmation and we have that first retreat where we kind of talk about Bible. So for the bridge group, that's the retreat we're going to do in August. We were supposed to do last August, but we couldn't because of COVID. So I always tell them three things the Bible is not. And one, the first thing I say is the Bible is not a magic eight ball. You've played with a magic eight ball, right? You ask a question, you shake it up, and it gives you an answer. And this one says yes, definitely. Uh, well, the Bible is not a magic eight ball. Uh, we do not come to the Bible with questions, open it up, and then get a surefire answer to those questions. The second thing I always tell them is that the Bible is not an owner's manual. And when you think about your car or your air conditioner or anything that comes with one of these owner's manuals, when do you open the owner's manual? Something's broken, right? You're trying to fix it. So you open the owner's manual and you hope, right, that what you find is, enables you to fix it. Well, the Bible is not an owner's manual. Um, we don't uh, come to it to fix ourselves, like to find all the little things to fix ourselves. And the last thing I say is, um, and this is not a science book because I couldn't find one, but it's got science projects in it. I say the Bible is not a science book. Um, science and theology um, come, come from very different places. They ask very different questions. And so the Bible is not a book we go to to get answers to questions that science can answer. One of the perfect examples is, again, the creation story. There's two separate stories in there. Things even happen on separate days. And as we talked about that first Sunday with the beginnings, we look at those to ask the question of, um, who is God? What do we learn about God? What do we learn about ourselves? What do we learn about that relationship? Um, I don't know that science is interested in answering those questions, uh, but we are. We are as church. So those are the three things I share with compromands. Is that the Bible is not. So if we're going to share what the Bible is not, we also have to talk about what the Bible is. 
And there are three things that I've shared before in a sermon a couple years ago when we were doing that whole year on Scripture. We kind of began with this. I get this from Peter N's book. There's lots we could say, but these are the three that I'm going to share and then kind of turn it over to y'all with some terms that are thrown out about the Bible. Um, the Bible is ancient. That means it's old, right? It is very distant. It comes from an almost utterly foreign world. Um, so that doesn't mean that that's not relevant, but we have to remember that when we come to it. This is, this is ancient, ancient writings coming from a very different place than we live. It's ambiguous. It doesn't just hand out answers. It's not a magic eight ball or an owner's manual or a science book. How do we know that? How do we know it's ambiguous? Because you and I can read the same book and we can arrive at different places, right? Has that ever happened to anyone? Yeah? And the last thing is it is diverse. The Bible does not speak with one voice. It has many and varied voices. It has many different types of literature. It has many different types of context. It was written over many, you know, many different times in history. Um, so it is a very diverse book. So ancient, ambiguous, diverse are kind of where I want to start. But there's some other words, words we read in Scripture itself today, that people use to talk about the Bible. So I'm going to look to y'all to help kind of define those words and even say what you think um, they might mean. And I don't know if we better to read them all or some. I'm going to read some together and then other ones. So a lot of times we hear the Bible is inspired or sacred or God-breathed. What do those mean? I think inspire is the same as God breathed. That I mean, that's what the word means. It's that somehow in the midst of it, we discover something about God and about ourselves. You have anything you want to add to that? Or you say, well, I, I would just say, and God breathed does not mean God dictated. No. Uh, that's a good point. <laughs> no. Yeah. And I think that's important to understand. So, how do you understand the differences in that? Well, God inspired the writers to write down their story and write down their history. And, you know, one of the theologians that impressed me a lot in seminary was Karl Barth. And Barth had this definition of the Bible. The Bible contains the Word of God found in the words of the human authors. The Word of God versus the words. We get hung up on the words. Are the words, you know, did God dictate the words? Well, we don't have, you know, we don't have any ancient manuscripts. Yeah. <laughs> and we're four, five, six, seven, eight, ten, twenty steps away from that ancient manuscript. And, you know, if God dictated, well, which, which translation <laughs> would you use? Right. There are a lot of unanswered questions there. So, to me, the word and Richard may want to speak to this. We talked about this. The Word, you know, John talks about the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I've, hold your thought. I'm interrupt because that is another, another, other one I was going to go to. Okay, so the Bible is also called the Word of God, and I think that's where you're going. Well, so when we say Word of God, what do we mean? Let's go back one to you use the term sacred. Uh huh. We do not worship the Bible. We worship the God to whom the Bible points. Well, you know, after the Reformation, one of the Catholic theologians said the mistake the Protestants had made, we had traded the papal pope you know, for the paper pope. Mm 
I had not heard that. That was good. <laughs> yeah. um, so let's get to that word of God, because um, that was the next. We talked about inspired, sacred, God breathed. Kind of, you can kind of hold all those together. Um, but when we say, and we, and we say this every Sunday, right? This is the word of God for us, the people of God. And I say it right after I read from this book. Um, so what do we mean by word of God? And that's where you were going with John. John, so I'll let you jump back in there. Well, I think the word of God is the gospel. It's the message of it's Jesus Christ. Jesus is the word. Which doesn't mean that Jesus is the Bible. <laughs> Um, oh, I need to... And also, word uh, as it happens in, in the Old Testament, God created by speaking. Mm -hmm. God said, let there be light. So the word of God created all things, including mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. uh, so it doesn't, you know, when the Bible talks about the word of God, it's not necessarily talking about itself. Yeah. It's talking about something much bigger. Uh, there is another term that gets thrown around a lot with the Bible, um, inerrant. Um, do you want to uh, define that and then tell us how you understand that word in relation to the Bible, inerrant? Why, why are you smiling when you hear that? <laughs> I, I, I have spent my life studying the Bible and trying to interpret it. And I have no idea what folks that say it in there mean by it. <laughs> I mean, it just makes absolutely no sense. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I have a good friend that when he, we were in college, he was the most conservative, theological conservative person I'd ever known. He believed the Bible was inerrant. It was perfect, just like God. Mm -hmm. God spoke it. And uh, over the years, he changed. Mm -hmm. As he experienced life, he changed some. I ran into him a few years ago at conference. He lives in Texas now. He came back to be a part of the annual conference. He said, you know, when I was young, I, I took the Bible as literal, but I didn't take it seriously. Mm. <laughs> and now I don't see it as literal, but I take it very seriously. Mm, and I take the Bible very seriously. Very seriously yeah. You know, it, it is a very important book in my life, but you know, the, if you think it's an errant, there are too many questions. Right. <laughs> Spend all your we'll time. Keep you up all night. Out. I feel. How, how do you figure? How does this? You know, how does this jive with this? Says this here and says that over there. You know. Well, if it's human authors, you realize. But the the beauty is that through all of that, God's word comes mm. through. Mm. Mm. Um, the last term I want to talk about, because it sets up the next question I'm going to ask, which um, I don't even know who asked this one, but it, I, it's been my favorite question so far. Um, canon. We talk about the canon, um, which means rule or measure, and, and this is the canon. It, it is um, what our, our early church decided would begin and close the Bible. The, the canon makes up the scripture we have decided is in here. Um, oh, and I wish I had brought this, uh, written this down, um, but I did not, and I'm not going to remember it. But we talk about the canon, but also we know that the Catholic Church has the, you know, some, some books in there that we don't. We know that there's different translations. We know that different places have different things. So even though there's a canon, there's not an agreed-upon canon. Um, so just throwing that out there when you hear canon, talking about the agreed-upon kind of rule measure for this book that, was, that, that we use as, as scripture. So that sets up um, 
this question that I just love. If the canon means what is enclosed in here and what the early church has decided is in here, um, is the Bible complete? I think the Bible is complete, but it's not the last word. God continues to reveal God's self to us in many ways. There's still people who are writing that I'm not suggesting any of them need to get included in the scriptures, but I know that we need to continue to, to think and observe and uh, use our reason and experience uh, to, to make sense of this. You know, Wesley said he, he believed the Bible contained everything necessary for salvation. We don't need anything else to gain what we need to be saved, but that God would continue to speak mm-hmm. and yeah. direct and guide. Yeah. And, you know, you know, I pick up a book that inspires me and I get excited about it. And sometimes reading novels, there may be just a sentence in there that yeah. speaks to me. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and, and often through people, you know, some of my you know, best experiences where I felt the presence of God has been through other people who reached out to me at a time of need. Yeah. yeah. We were talking about that in Sunday school, how, um, I, I mean, I made the comment that uh, I need the faith of other people to remind myself I'm not crazy sometimes, right? Like, I didn't just wake up and make all this up, right? Yeah. Like, I need yeah. other people's experiences. Yeah. Um, to help keep me in line. And I also think of Psalm 19 that we opened with. You know, the heavens are telling the glory of God. The firmaments declare God's handiwork. Um, so, yeah, I do think we, uh, we miss something if we, if we do say this can be the only um, words God has for us, but that God keeps speaking, not only through others, um, but I think also in the midst of but, creation itself. But you talk about a canon. Can, can you imagine theologians and church leaders today getting together trying to no. decide? No. <laughs> and I think also with, <laughs> with canon, for me, there is a canon within a canon. Okay. How so? There are books of the Bible and parts of books of the Bible that for me are more important than others. Mm. And I will use those to help interpret some of the other stuff. You know, for instance, you know, the, you know, Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's sort of important, and I think that's more important than some passages in Leviticus. Amen. It's interesting. <laughs> interesting, you say that. I do like that you said that you you ended it with um, Sermon on the Mount. I use that to help interpret mm-hmm. others, and we're going to get to that mm-hmm. again because when you first said that, all I could think about was the fact that you know. Thomas Jefferson wrote his own Bible by taking out what he did like. Elizabeth Cady Stanton did the same thing. She read through the Bible and took out everything that would not work to her favor in the women's right to vote. Um, So she has her own little Bible. Uh, So I I appreciate that it was. It wasn't um, some or more, I have my own Bible that I've taken out. What I appreciate it is I use this to help guide what I, um, how I read the other places. And we'll, in the wrap up, kind of get back to that. The reason we started with Bible, what the Bible is, and what the Bible is not, again, is because questions that we received really had to do with um, a whole slew of them, how we read this book and how we understand it. I'm going to give you a few few quotes I appreciate it from books I'm going to reference later. Um, Adam Hamilton says, you know, I love this book and I wrestle with it. 
Uh, Rachel Held Evans says, I have come to regard with some suspicion those who claim the Bible never troubles them. I can only assume this means they haven't actually read it. Um, and then Peter N. says, why can the Bible so easily, why can the Bible be so easily used to justify both slavery and its abolition? Justify both keeping women subordinate to men and fully emancipating them. Justify violence against one's enemies and condemn it. Justify political power and denounce it. So again, a lot of the questions you sent in really had to come to, how do we read this scripture? How are we to understand it? How do we interpret it? And the main questions that came in were around um, human sexuality and around gender roles. Also some around, again, how it was used to defend slavery and white supremacy um, in our present context. So I'm going to turn to you, and I know you have something specific yeah. since Juneteenth mm -hmm. is among us, um, but how have you in your own life of faith kind of navigated those places in the Bible that create tension or division or that seem to say opposing things? Um, and again, you have something kind yeah. of that, yeah. that talks to that now. So. Well, they, in, you know, this is Juneteenth, uh, commemoration of the notification of the abolition of slavery. I think slave owners became concerned that they somehow in their heart knew they were doing something wrong. It is somehow not right to think you can own human beings. Therefore, we need to be able to justify that. And they worked very hard on it and came up with theological justifications for the enslaving of African people. And they did it by a convoluted misinterpretation of the curse on the son of Noah named Ham. And you know, you can go back and read that. And therefore, Ham's descendants <coughs> were destined to be slaves and servants. Therefore, we are simply doing God's will by enslaving them and, you know, treating them relatively nicely. Uh, the problem was, and that continued, I mean, that, those sermons were out there. We were just saying both of us heard that same sermon preached in the mid-1950s, it's in the last century. Uh, <laughs> to justify segregation. And we dare not mix the races. And you know, it was, it was insane. I remember my parents, us driving away from church and my parents thankfully turning to my brother and I and saying, we love Brother Watson, but we don't believe everything he says, mm. which was, I really appreciated that. You know, you don't have to believe everything the preacher says. <laughs> and they don't. Thanks and they you. don't. But, but they, you know, the, the funny thing is, we say, okay, the Bible has been used for terrible things. But those slave, same slave owners said, we ought to convert these heathens to Christianity because if we do that, they'll be better behaved. The problem was, some of them learn to read. Mm -hmm. And you know what happens when you read things? They Just look at recent history. 
You're being careful about what you make available for folks to read. They met a God of liberation. Well, they discovered in that Bible that God sent a guy named Moses down to Egypt to free the slaves. And they would compose songs about it. Go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Go down, Moses. And so they began to hear a different story than the story justifying slavery. They saw in that book a Jesus that seemed to love everybody. And so, you know, it, it, the Bible can be used for evil, but if you let folks read it, mm -hmm. they might discover something else. And I think that the basic question that comes back, you can find and the point is, you can justify anything you want to in the Bible. Amen. I mean, you, you can just about find anything you want to. It's there. It's part, it's part of our human story. Mm -hmm. But the question is, is it Christ-like? Mm -hmm. And so we have to begin to look through the life of Christ as we view these things to ask, what is Christ-like? What, what would Christ do? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when I was a young guy, uh, young preacher, I, I was pretty judgmental. I had all the answers. <laughs> was that I went to do and found out that you no, had none of them. <laughs> I, I didn't have many answers at all. <laughs> but somewhere along the way, and I think it was about the time I was maybe in Vicksburg, I, I learned that, you know, God didn't call me to be judge of the universe. God didn't appoint me to be anybody's judge. And really, during that time, I became liberated from judging, and I could love everybody, and open the doors of my church to everybody who wanted to come. Mm -hmm. uh, they would come and hopefully hear the gospel. It might change their life, it might not. But if we didn't open up, they, we didn't have a chance of sharing the gospel with yeah. them. But so, you know, I just, I don't worry about judging people, you know. <laughs> come, come to the altar, come. Mm -hmm. I love but, that you say, oh, go ahead. Well, the, the other thing is, you know, Christians do not still agree on major things. Yeah. Three of the largest uh, denominations in Christendom do not think you ought to be in the position you're in. Yeah. They that, think at the end of the service, you ought to go home and ask Sean what happened. Yeah. Tell me about it. Boy, that wouldn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> That brings me up. Well, two things. I love that you said um, human story. Um, and we talked about, you know, God didn't dictate it, that it's God breathed, but there, I mean, humans wrote it, right? Like we, humans wrote this. Um, and I think that's why it is so much of a human story. And I think that's why it's still relevant and we still read it. Can you imagine if um, the messiness wasn't in here? I don't know that we would still, that we would yeah. still read it. I, for some reason, part of our humanness is being drawn to the train wreck, and I think it's because we all have our own train wrecks, and you find comfort in looking at the train wrecks of others and, and finding God in the midst of that. Um, so, I, so I love that you said that it's human, the humanness in it. Um, we can't spend a lot of time on this question. I've got to get, get moving. But I do love that you brought up just, um, you know, different different views and I added this question this morning and I did forewarn them um, so I just ask um, can we have opposing views on scripture 
Well, yeah. <laughs> we, we're going to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I bring to Scripture my experience. You bring to Scripture a different experience. I'm going to see things in there that you won't necessarily see. We need to be in conversation about it. But we're not going to necessarily see the same thing. Uh, you know, and I'm grateful to be a part of this church family. Go mm -hmm. look at some of the people we have. I'm in a Thursday morning men's group. That, you know, we've got four retired ministers. Yeah. One who was in the university system. One who taught math. Former governor. We've got uh, one guy that can ask the most profound question. His name, his name is John Reed. <laughs> he, he, he can really, he can nail you sometimes and make you think. But the point is, it's caused me to continue to grow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and I'm afraid that had I not had this kind of group, I would have sort of began to wilt on the vine. You know, I'm retired. I can't do anything. But some of the, you know, some of our group sessions has caused me to go back and look for books that I've given away yeah. and rebuy some books. I need to read that again because, you know, it's caused me to grow and to think and become. Yeah. And, and so I'm still in the process of becoming because of people who don't always agree with me. Yeah. Force me to rethink some things. Yeah, part of it is the Bible's not through with me. Mm, that's good. Yeah. That's a good way to think of it because I'll be very honest. I do think, I like the way you said that we are going to have, and we are, we're going to have opposing views. My struggle with um, when the opposing view begins to deny the humanity of another, mm. um, that's where, like, how do you, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not going to, we'll talk about this in a second, I'm not going to change someone's view, but um, yeah, where do you, where in that conversation do you? Does the line, you know, how do you have that conversation? Um, having said all that, I do kind of want to go back to our um, heaven and hell conversation, our salvation conversation. One thing we named both Sundays talking about that was that things developed over, over time. Things changed, even how people understood heaven and hell. I mean, it changed. And um, the same is true when you look at particular questions we bring to Scripture. Things have developed. Things have changed. Things have made steps forward and made steps backward. Um, when I think of gender roles specifically, and this was one of, one of the questions somebody um, asked about, I can't read this book and think that from day one of creation, patriarchy was formed within the world, <laughs> like it was set forth, because you find Deborah in the Old Testament who was a judge. Um, you find the story of Lydia in the New Testament, who was a, a, a merchant, who had a house church, who funded the disciples' work, and many were brought to faith because of her. You find the Samaritan woman at the well, who when that story ends, it literally says that many came to believe because of her testimony. Um, and you find the women at the tomb, who left the tomb on Easter morning and went and shared the news of the resurrection. So I can't imagine that those stories would be in there if from the beginning there was this specific set rule that God had foreordained about how the world should work. That's why I say I think even questions we bring to Scripture change and develop over time from our own context. I think the same is true for human sexuality. Um, there are condemnations you can find that come from specific contexts, specific places. 
uh, specific things that are going on in those times, but then you've got the story of Ruth and the Ethiopian eunuch. And if you read those stories, you can find places in scripture for Ruth and the Ethiopian eunuch that tell Ruth and the Ethiopian eunuch from the, this book and say, you're not part of the story. You're not even welcomed into the sanctuary because of who you are, because of how, what you were born into. Um, you can find that. And yet, Scripture tells their story to say in a way, no, you are part of the story. You get to come in to the worship setting. You get to be a part of faith. Um, so you can find find these in scripture, which to me says there hasn't been this set rule that as soon as God spoke, things were laid out, that we have gone back and forth, up and down. Um, I'm, I'm, one second. I do want to read uh, a, a passage just to show that again, um, that I, that I uh, you know, have, I mean, it just makes me angry when I read it, <laughs> that I struggle with, but I'm going to read it to you. Um, well, I have to find it. It's first... 1 Timothy 2, oh, I'm in 2 Timothy, that's why. 1 Timothy 2, 8 through 15. I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. Also that women should dress themselves modestly and decently in suitable clothing, not with their hair braided or with gold, pearls, or expensive clothes, but with good works as is proper for women who profess reverence for God. Let a woman learn in silence with full submission. I permit no woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She is to keep silent. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing, provided they continue in faith and love and holiness with modesty. Um, so a couple of things. Um, I braided my daughter's hair yesterday. Just throwing that out there. I'm wearing a gold ring today, among my other rings. Um, and I know women who have not had children. Um, so if our salvation is somehow connected to whether or not we can bear children, I just have some questions for God. Uh, so yeah, there's things in scripture, and I'm like, there people who read that and, and read that in a different way than me, I'm not gonna change their mind. But all that to say, um, there's other places in scripture that I just named when it comes to gender that tell a very different story of how this uh, book of faith looks at my role within the life of faith. Um, so I'm gonna switch that to say, um, is there scripture, particularly, I mean, I just wear mine, that you struggle with, um, or, if, or if someone came to you seeking guidance on how to hold scripture they struggle with, um, what would you say? Two thoughts. One is I think we go and find those passages of scripture that justify what we already thought. Yeah. While we ignore a whole bunch of other stuff. I mean, we go in Leviticus and find that passage about homosexuality. It's like, okay, that settles it. And then persistently ignore all that stuff it says about Sabbath observance. Mm -hmm. 
It says a whole lot more about Sabbath observance than it does the other. And Sabbath observance makes it into the Ten Commandments. Mm. So how are you doing on your Sabbath observance? <laughs> and by the way, today is not the Sabbath. Yesterday, Yesterday was, was the Sabbath. <laughs> and you could not have done anything that causes anybody else to have worked for you. Like going to a store, going to a restaurant, or even turning on the light switch. And we say, well, but that doesn't matter anymore. But that other thing over there is crucial. I think it's a matter of finding out what is central, what's mm -hmm. crucial in Scripture. 